The FinTech 5 podcast is sponsored by NTT Data Services. NTT Data Services, a global business and IT innovator, partners with clients to navigate and simplify the modern complexities of business and technology, delivering the insights, solutions, and outcomes that matter most. Basically, they get stuff done. Learn more at nttdataservices.com. Steve Jobs once said, we're here to put a dent in the universe. Well, FinTech has certainly put a dent in the financial services industry over the past few years. This podcast series focuses on the story of those individuals who took Jobs' advice, the dent makers, if you will. This is the FinTech 5. On this episode of the FinTech 5, we are speaking with Dominic Venturo, the Executive Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer at U.S. Bank. Hi, Dominic. How are you? Hey, Sam. I'm doing well. Thanks. All right. So I've been asked a couple times, how would I describe Dominic to other people? So Dominic has no idea I'm about to do this. So here you go. You ready? Picture this. Take a member of the TV show Sons of Anarchy, toss in a Navy SEAL, a little bit of Grizzly Adams, and a pinch of Elon Musk, and boom, you have a chief innovation officer for U.S. Bank. Does that work? I, uh, I'm not so sure about that one. You may, uh, you may have to work on those skills a bit. No, 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 man. That is spot on, and we'll, we'll explain why later. All right, so let's talk about your role first as a chief innovation officer at U.S. Bank. So every bank has those. What does that mean specifically at U.S. Bank? Well, I guess, first of all, Sam, you know, saying every bank has one is maybe correct today, but when we started this journey 10 years ago, it was in the early days of innovation for financial services, uh, especially in the big bank sector. So, uh, you know, we've evolved it over the years, but generally speaking, what we try to do is we work with our business units and technology partners across the company. We look at the long-term trends in emerging technology, changing consumer and business interaction trends, changing societal norms, how people communicate, how they conduct their business. Uh, And we put it all sort of in a magic blender to begin to look at where do we think the future is going. And uh, through conducting proof of concepts, voice of the customer work, uh, journey mapping and other sessions, we begin to develop uh, a little clearer vision around how some things might work in our various business lines. We work those through pilot, proof of concept, um, and further product development, and then we partner with our business lines to commercialize those. So it's part research and development. It's part being a student of emerging technology, customer behavior, and the like. Uh, and it's part good business uh, acumen and understanding of the different dynamics of the businesses in order to sort of come up with that mix of things that will be meaningful to our customers in the future. At least that's what we hope to do. Well, here's what I love about U.S. Bank. So U.S. Bank kind of floats under the radar when it comes to the media sometimes and when it comes to innovation. But industry insiders, those of us in the financial services space, we know how great U.S. Bank is and how great your team is. And we do give you the recognition. I like that concept of kind of being a touch quieter. And yet you see the results in in the surveys with your, your customers and your consumers. Well, I appreciate that. That's that, that's really kind of you to say, Sam. You know, we work uh, and collaborate across the industry, as you well know, because you're knee-deep in it. And we spend a lot of time uh, talking to folks about emerging trends in technology, trying to make sense of it. The innovation side of the house is really a collaborative, uh, it's a collaborative game, right? So a lot of the skills and techniques and things that we're seeing are not um, specific to any one company, and so there's an opportunity to collaborate. And then at the same time, right, we've all got businesses to run and objectives to achieve, and we go about that. Our main focus is very simple, 
finding an interesting problem to solve for our customers and then working hard to be able to do that from a client experience or a new product or a new business opportunity. But it's all rooted in, you know, what's the actual problem you're trying to solve and what should you be doing about it? So a couple of years ago, you gave me one of my, my favorite quotes and also a great piece of advice. We were at a conference out in Seattle, a banking conference, and I pulled you oh, to yeah. the side. Remember this? And I said, hey, Dominic. Yep what type of conferences do you recommend? Where would you go? And your answer was, I like to go on the fringes. That was a great answer, by the way. Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, it's uh, we do spend time in the financial services industry, obviously at conferences, but also at places like Consumer Electronics Show and uh, South by Southwest and uh, things that are not necessarily uh, mainstream for, uh, you know, the big bank side of things, although increasingly we're seeing uh, more more others at some of those events as well. All right, so let's let's uh, let's talk about one of the hot topics, and I know that your team is heavily involved in this because we talked about this years ago. AI, everybody's favorite topic, which is so broad, by the way, <laughs> incredibly broad. But let's cut through the hype a little bit. From your perspective, what do you think the current state of AI is from a, from financial services and where we stand today? Yeah, sure. Well, right. Really broad topic. So, you know, you sort of have to think about it in terms of segments of uh, the umbrella of artificial intelligence, I think. You know, if you start at the very, uh, the, the things that are mostly proven and commercialized, so you're looking at things like robotic processes or advanced process automation, some of that, uh, you know, some of that kind of machine-to-machine conversation that happens through things that aren't really variable. So I can, you know, program a bot or whatever to do a specific set of activities. That's uh, part machine learning and part under that umbrella, but um, generally accepted as commercially available. Um, If you move up the spectrum into the machine learning side of things, so machines actually studying data and uh, coming to uh, conclusions or decisions, you're starting to get more into the, what I would call today's version of artificial intelligence. And there's a lot happening in that space. Some of it is very promising. And um, uh, you would say a mix of commercially available and a mix of still research and development space. And then you move, you know, a little bit further forward into natural language processing, vision processing, image recognition, and the like. And that's where it starts to get a little bit more uh, research and development oriented and a little bit less commercially available. In the domains of voice processing, there are a lot of existing commercially available solutions. So if you're constrained to a set of known domain topics like banking and products and services or a VRU or things like that, Sam, there are lots of solutions that work pretty well. But as soon as you get to voice processing, when the system has no idea what you're going to ask, it's still pretty challenging. Um, and part of that is because the uh, the way that those artificial intelligence engines work is still uh, early days. And then when you move into systems being able to actually decide and operate on their own, very much in the R&D space, we've seen some good promise with some of the cognitive tools, uh, but we haven't seen things that are performing at a level where we would say, you know, they're ready for commercial. And that's okay, because as I mentioned, you know, we look three to five years into the future, so we're trying to work across that landscape. and really apply the R&D to the places where we think it'll have the highest value. And that answer right there is why I love Dominic (laughs) and I love his team. All right. We're down to uh, the last minute. This is rapid fire. Okay. So three questions, top your head. Don't sweat it. You'll do great. You ready? Ready. All right. First question. This is a very American audience targeted question. So apologies to my friends in Europe and Asia and everywhere else. Dominic, your favorite high powered rifle. 
Oh boy, that's tricky. You know, so uh, so for those of you that are listening, I'm a target shooter, uh, and uh, I tend to really like bolt action rifles for long range target. Oh, um, I only shoot paper. I only do it safely, but uh, I tend to be an old fashioned bolt guy, so old school. That's really good, man. Yeah, and and it tends to be center mass and very tight because I've seen the photos. So <laughs> so I'm gonna go the one I have. I grew up in Michigan. Everybody and those that know me would never guess that I grew up hunting. My old 308, I still love. It's still a great rifle. So there you go. All right, Dominic. Second question: Greatest bike ever built? Motorcycle. Everybody. Apologies. Greatest bike ever built would be. Oh man, you know it's really tough. I am a big, uh, and I know you know this, but I'm a big Harley Davidson rider. Um, I've had a whole bunch of other manufacturers, but in terms of you know touring comfort, we do long range riding, a couple thousand miles uh, every summer, and just in terms of the ability to do that, do it reliably, and do it in style, I'd, I'd have to sort of go with Harley Davidson. Good answer, and it actually led to the the greatest last question I was going to ask you. Ultimate road trip for you would be where on your bike? Wow. Well, we've done a bunch of them already. So, you know, I think right now being able to go from uh, Canada down to Los Angeles along the western coast would be a pretty amazing experience. There's a lot of good riding out there, a lot of beautiful country. We've, we've been in a lot of other parts of the country, but uh, haven't had the opportunity to do that on a bike yet. Have you seen the, uh, the series Long Way Down? Yeah, no, I haven't. Oh, my God. How have you not seen that? That's Ewan McGregor, Charlie Borman. They go from Scotland all the way down to uh, Cape Town. I bet it's amazing. I, ha- I have not. I have not seen it. Uh, I'm more of a reader than a than a screen watcher, but uh, but I haven't seen it. And th- then they flipped it and they did it. I think across Europe through China. So I, I think it was called Long Way Across. That's that's your uh, box gift set from me for next Christmas. We uh, good. My Christmas awesome. shopping's down. Where's the best place for listeners to to follow what you're doing at uh, U.S. Bank and the Innovation Team? Well, I try to be reasonably active on Twitter. Uh, we do quite a bit of activity. I do quite a bit of personal tweeting out there, so things I'm personally interested in, or I might be ranting about the joys of airplane travel out there. Uh, so I'm Innovator on Twitter. Uh, I got that name in the early days, so I uh, managed to keep it. Uh, but then from the U.S. Bank side of things, we do an awful lot on the on the public communication side of things, which are really easy to find just at the U.S. Bank website in the appropriate uh, communications areas. All right, make sure you follow them, folks, and uh, always keep an eye out for motorcycles, by the way, when you're driving. That was just for you. Yeah, please. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. How have you not seen Long Way Down?